Are you looking for a better way to create your dream life? How to create wealth so you can enjoy your hobbies, friends, and family even more? Then this podcast is for you. We're Chris and Paul, and we're on a mission to help regular women and men gain access to passive income opportunities. Income opportunities that most people never even hear of. So let's start the show and create your fortune in wealth, health, and life, one step at a time. Hey there, Chris Roberts here, and we are here with Tim Murphy. Tim Murphy, please say hi to the listeners. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing today, Chris? <laughs> hey, I'm awesome, man. Thank you so much. Tim, what would you say, in your opinion, top could be one, two, or three, just one example, but top thing, or I should say process that you've implemented that has made significant change. So we'll say the most significant application of some system or process that's made a change in organization. And on the opposite side of that, what's the number one constraint you've seen that either owner operators put on themselves or that they face when trying to, to change their business model from failure to success? So what do you see that works? And what do you see that hasn't worked in a model that you've taken over? It's a good question. And I'll say that I would have had a different response earlier in my career. <laughs> I will say the number one thing both ways that you learn from is the people, the culture that you're physically setting up in your business. You got to get them to believe in what you're doing. When I took over private equity, we stalking horse bid of purchasing the eight locations. There were eight others, but there were certain things we looked at during the bankruptcy of what we would and wouldn't buy or needed to go back. And that was you know on the previous company. But we needed to analyze and say, is this of any value? So as we go into it and say, okay, there was Tim against at the time, 650 employees. And of course, during the summer, we go much higher than that. Not believing that we would achieve higher sales, we could charge what we we're going to charge that we could do different things. But there are certain values you have to bring into the company. What do you believe in? You know, what's the beliefs you have as the leader of the company, owner of the company? What do you want to get across? You can operate any way you want underneath of a private equity firm as long as you get results at the end of the day, right? But what do you want to lead as? So the answer to my question would have been totally different early on. I would have done this, that, or the other, but it really comes down to the people right? The people got to make the change. But if you can live with the values and instill those values within the team and teach them that, because frankly, the previous company wasn't doing that. You know, what are some of the values we have? Honesty, integrity, transparency, social responsibility, strategic partnerships, you know, innovative risk-taking, risk-taking. We're going to take risks on things we're going to do. We're going to be innovative, but it's also educated. You know, having the guest first, team first, but really team over guest. And I don't mean give them, bend over and give them every single thing they're requesting, but identify what's the things that's going to make them move. The things that's going to get them in the right direction to understand. I'm about to start to go out to all, I go out to all the parks all the time. I sit wherever the guests are. I stand wherever the guests are. I want to know what I talk to the guests. I want to know what are we doing in each park? All eight parks are different, different demographics, different locations, and all the other ones we're looking at to potentially acquire will be in different places. So they're all similarities and you know things are just farm town to big city. So it just depends on where you go. But if you don't have the right team and you don't have the right culture, understanding and believing in what you're doing, you're not going to get anywhere. 
You, know, you got to do it with people. You can have the greatest ideas all day long, but you've got to do this with people. You can cut costs. You can come up with things. There are some people I know that are really good at cutting costs, but you know what? They can't implement it because the team will not buy it. They won't buy the BS the person's selling. So as I've shown people, this is how we're going to get this. This is how it's, you know, this is going to take place. I am relentless. I am persistent. Something about I talked about a little earlier, being persistent in explaining the core values of our company to our team. And talking about what are we doing with that? How are we doing some of these things so that they can believe what we're physically doing? They can see the results coming through, even in spite of bad years of pandemic and in what happened last year. But it is culture. And I know some that are in the entertainment industry that they, oh, heck with the culture means nothing. You're going to do this. It's a type A personality. And they're like beating their heads against the wall, trying to get things done, or they're losing the best talent and leaving to go to a competitor. And during the great resignation the United States has had, unfortunately, people have left lots of positions and it's tough to get labor. So if you're not thinking about the right culture and you're not really building it, then, you know, that, you know, I just saw, I think it was Howard Schultz who's taken back over Starbucks. He's gone out to 200 of the locations, trying to really get a better understanding and appreciation for what everyone's going through in the field. And if you don't do that, you don't physically go out to your locations and your areas, well, shame on you. And you can't rely on someone else because you don't know until you go there. I'm trying to build Disney-like experiences at a fraction of the cost because we're much less than what a Disney experience would be. But we want to have some of the greatest experiences. And so my barometer, besides the P&L, is what reviews we get. When we, you know, a year ago, I look back at reviews and part of this is price sensitivity coming out of the pandemic, things we've taken up and know with the thought thrust that this is going to get better, keep following, stay the course. At the end of the year, we go, all right, where are we now to reviews? And in Yelp, we've gone like 2.9 to 4.4. And Google, we've gone 3.9 to 4.4. So we've moved the needle for expectations. And we're now really, we're aggressively going after reviews. Yes, we want to know what people think, good or bad, because we want to figure out what the things are that we can fix to make the best experience become what we believe we want to be the best FEC out there, family entertainment service and water park that we have. But we are focused on really building FECs because there's a lot more profitability there versus a water park. And why? What's the difference? A lot more people, a lot more land, a lot more consumables, controllables, utilities, and a lot less flow through, obviously, to the bottom line to EBITDA. But in a family entertainment center, you have less people. You can really control the costs a lot better. So when you see this and you look at it, you can't get to these points at any of them without the right people. You know, I had to identify quickly after not being able to talk to anybody prior to, because I was a consultant on behalf of the private equity firm. Hey, by the way, you want to run this? Sure, let's do it. You know, at the end of the day, and so I hadn't had a chance to talk to any of them. But when you see that it was so ingrained of a type A type of personality, wrong pricing, wrong things, go, we got to make a metamorphic change. You know, you guys, previous company were focused on two to 12 year olds. They were walking through your parks. 85, 90% of your people coming through are not two to 12 year olds. They are tweens, teens, young adults, and corporations. Let's focus on them. And guess what? That's worked. You know, but it's knowing your demographics, it's knowing your competition, but you can't get anywhere without people. So if you can get the right values in place, and the people understand the values and you adhere to the values. That takes top down. If you're going to put these values out, you got to live it every day. You know, are you honest? Do you, are you filled with integrity? Are you transparent? 
I found along the way, some of my team were not unfortunate, you know, and it's unfortunate where maybe they're not today. I've seen, you know, they were not taking care of the guests, but we focused on that and we've seen the numbers move on the reviews. So it's a matter of what, what's the barometer we're trying to go after. Are you focused on this? And you're not going to get anywhere without the right people. And if you're not a good people person, then get someone to help you. Because at the end of the day, that is kind of the key here. You can believe and trust and you think you can trust. But there's an old saying, well, President Reagan had said, one of the first presidents I ever voted for in an election, was he said, trust but verify. I'm going to trust my people, but I'm going to verify this. What a lot of people do in the management position says, I'm going to trust them, but they're not going to check them. But when you check them, you've got to do something about it because where do you land on your chart of values to the company? Because people are watching you. You know, if the leader does what they say, people are more apt to follow and do what the leader does. If they really enjoy what they're doing and they want to be a part of something bigger. You know, what I've done when I came in was, hey, for management, you guys have hardly ever got bonuses. Let me give you a bonus program per quarter that you can actually earn. And it resets every quarter. You screw up one quarter, got another quarter to work on, another quarter to work on. So unlike some that would do a full year, I try to focus it down because I really want them to stay focused on 13 weeks. Every 13 weeks, what are we doing? How are we changing it? You could screw up a week or two, but don't screw up the whole thing. You know, Otherwise, you're going to really hurt yourself. What else can I do? Can I do other benefits for them? Can I help them? It's also just being nice to talk to them. You know, at the end of the day, some people just sit in an ivory tower, don't get down on the ground and talk to people. Look, I have wired so many things, plumbed so many things, poured concrete, you know, everything you could possibly do in a yard. I'll do it at home. My wife, I drive her nuts because I do too much and I'm willing to because I know how to do it. But a lot of people won't even go the extra effort to learn something new or a skill they're too afraid of change. So at the end of the day, you got to be willing to change. You got to be willing to be flexible, but you got to hold to something. That doesn't mean you're always going to be right on every single decision. And you got to be willing to say, you know, I'm not right every single decision. I know that. Not everyone, anyone is. But at the end of the day, I can also quit. I can pivot pretty quick. And that's the idea is can you pivot pretty quick? And the only way you can really pivot quickly, in my opinion, is having the right team that says, I'm with you, boss. Let's go do this. And that's what you got to be able to do. But, you know, so to answer your overall question is in both ways, people. At the end of the day, it's people. But you also got to have some good, strong values that you're running by in your company. If you're not, they're not going to believe you. They're not going to follow you. That's a great answer, Tim. And actually, what I like about what you said about that was you didn't just say people, you started with culture. And the reason it's so important and relevant and great answer to the question is, and I have an old mentor that always talked about hire for attitude and train for skill, you know, similar to your Reagan quotes, like the people. And it's just, there's, what it is though, is it's, you have to be able to lead by example, right? You have to get in there, you have to show, and obviously you have the right attitude, energy, enthusiasm. Your passion obviously resonates. I, I can feel it through the call here. We're, I mean, you obviously believe in what you're doing and people will want to follow you because you're always smiling and you're moving and you're hustling. And 
that's important, right? Because if you find the right people that buy into your vision for success, you can teach them how to how to write a manual or how to run a go-kart track or whatever it may be. And they're more likely to want to do it with a smile on their face if they know their boss is out there running the bumper boat pond or whatever it may be, right? And so I love the way you frame that because culture is important. And it's like, well, what does culture mean, right? Well, culture is a buy-in. Culture is an attitude. Culture is all of us together. It's not just me barking orders at you and handing you a manual and then leaving for a month to go on vacation. It's we're all in this together. We're growing it every day. We're problem solving. No idea is too big. No idea is too small. Everyone counts. Everyone matters. Let's go about it together. Right. And I just love that. That is a really great answer. And actually it's funny you dovetailed into the answer to the successes and the failures, because I would have to agree with you. I wouldn't have said culture, but I agree with that in that oftentimes owners get themselves caught up in all kinds of challenges. And so they can't actually even see that their employees are struggling or that they're not happy or whatever it may be. And that's a great thing to focus on if you are a struggling business is who here is on board and who here wants to win and how are we going to do this thing together? Who has ideas on how we can make change, even if you're in the thick of what could be a potential failure. So Tim, would you mind quickly just sharing with us an example of what you did, you gave us generalities, but an example of what you did when you turned a business around, or maybe just some of the stuff you saw. I know you talked about the price points in market and all of this stuff, but was there anything else that kind of stands out with you as of recently? Maybe, they, I mean, gosh, we just went through a pandemic, right? It's pretty crazy, <laughs> pretty wild. How the hell you get through that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, okay. So specific examples, you know, when I got on board, you know, I sat down with head of marketing, senior VP of marketing, and said, okay, let's really go through the overall pricing structure. What do we physically have here and why are we doing it? And what were we going to try to accomplish? You know, we had low price points. They had season passes in family entertainment centers. They had season passes in the water parks as well. I've never seen a season pass in a family entertainment center. The idea there is a season pass. Hey, you buy something and then come back, hopefully a few times. But what happened was when you have consumables like tires and gasoline going into go-karts, you got a lot of consumables. I mean, the golf balls, yeah, not too much, but you got things that break down here and there. Okay, that's great. So you're going to do a season pass. What I looked at when I saw the previous company, I saw it was a four-year process the previous company had it. So they put season pass in year one. So they saw some sales go up. Then it leveled off and dropped for straight two straight years. They never put money back in the parks. They couldn't pay for the parks. It's what I call a Ponzi scheme. You know, you got money, but you can't pay tomorrow. And you're trying to hustle next day to get more, to get the next, and you could never catch up. So it was really great building year one, kind of leveled off year two. And that's why it dropped because you weren't putting anything back in the parks. You're not profitable. So we got to change the pricing structure, kill the season passes. Do people like that? Absolutely not. Because they were coming in for cheap and... Those are the ones that would eat in the parking lot. I watched them when I was consulting, eating buckets of chicken out in the parking lot instead of coming into the building and eating. You know, So you're not going to sell food and beverage. You're not going to sell parties. You're not going to sell groups. We got to change this process. So, But they were very into, no, no, we have to do it. It's like, no, you don't have to do this. Even at the water parks, you don't have to do it. And we did institute an annual pass, high premium price annual pass. But now it makes sense because you're starting to pay for it. You're probably, you're going to come back and use that pass. And when you do, you're probably going to eat and drink. We put full alcohol in all the locations. So these are all good things. We're going to play more of the arcade. If it's an arcade location, they might sign up for a party. They might do a group. There's different things we can sell now when you get off of that. But we're going to change this pricing. In addition, 
we're going to try to move people from the low prices when you're not a season pass that are so low. Let's move the needle up on everything. So, and you go, oh, you're just taking prices up. Yeah, I am. Or maybe you package it differently. And now you've got a different pass that you're giving to them. You combine three things into one and you got a higher price point. What did that do? When they bought it, it's at a higher dollar amount, moves check average up. And when you move check average up and it's profitable, you have more profits to put back into the parks. You can spend capital expenditures. So that was something we did from day one. And boy, did I get resistance. Oh, no, we can't do it. We can't do this at that park. Yeah, you can. Just, just do it. You know, and this park has two go-kart tracks, charge a little more there. And oh, you can't do that. Yeah, you can do it, please. Sure. And so when it did it, did we lose? Well, you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic, right? Did we really get the attendance back during the pandemic? No, but you know what? We got a lot of people come in and we were profitable on every guest coming through the door. We were able to pay for labor and increases in labor that needed to take place because they were so low. They couldn't even get people come into the parks. So now we actually pay market rate or better at our parks because we want to get some of the best people in there. We're now able to hire better managers because it was always last person up. You didn't do so well, you were fired. That was a previous company versus saying, all right, let's find the right people with the right skills in this market of family entertainment, water parks as well, is no different than a restaurant, a hotel, and retail individual, if they've got good skills, if they've got, if they're very, to you, the point you made, if they've got the, you know, they've got the enthusiasm, I'll teach you what you need to know if you're willing to learn this. What we had were people very ingrained, hey, I've worked here for 20 years. Great. What do you do? It's kind of like, what are you doing with yourself? Why are you still here and not up higher? You know, that, that's kind of the thing. But so this is what we want you to do. I don't want to change. Yeah, you need to change because we need to do things differently. And so when you go through that process, what did it do for us? It provided more capital. So we moved maybe the cheapest thing you could do. I think they had one part was $7.99 to play miniature golf. We tweaked it up. It wasn't an immediate thing, but we did tweak it up over a period of, you know, of the year. And we took it up to $15.99 for one, same thing, double price, same thing. I got more out of it, you know, and it's, and it's a no brainer doing miniature golf because here's a golf club and ball. Good luck. There's not much you have to do except, you know, taking care of the maintenance and lighting and so forth. But you take go-karts. Well, that's a lot of safety. That's a lot of sanitary things. We were talking about the pandemic a little earlier, the additional things you got to put in. We got to cover these costs. We're in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, we got masks and we got the, the areas of stanchions between people and six feet apart and making sure everything's sanitized, all hand railings. I mean, it's a lot of extra time, labor, money to go into it, all the cleaning chemicals we had to go through. Well, we did price it. So when you fast forward to today and you go, all right, we went from an average check average of $20 per person from the previous company to now we're in the mid fifties. We did something right during that time frame, more profitable per guest. So even if attendance was down and this year we're hitting attendance, people are really starting to come back. So you're seeing we had higher check average and now the attendance is coming back. How much more profitable would we go to if you just did the math from 2019 to now? Well, it's almost double, you know, the profitability, which if you look at our numbers, that's pretty much what took place. But it was a belief to get an understanding that if you push this this way, this can happen and you can pay for these additional expenses. All right. So that's us. But now I've looked at a lot of different companies because we're looking to acquire some. Some they were built in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and they're in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. And Kids don't want the, the business. And then they barely got through the pandemic. They had some money put aside, but then it hit them and they lost everything. And they just barely got open last year. And now they want to sell. And now the thing, like we've taken our prices up to cover costs and to you know, make more profit. 
insurance has been an issue for months in the industry. And so, you know, I've seen, luckily we have an 800 pound gorilla, I like to call Cerberus, and they helped us make sure that we get it after going to the 51st company to make sure we had insurance because a lot of them stopped writing insurance or the prices went so high that they went, and we were in the lower end of that, but they went 30% to a thousand percent increases. Now imagine if you had general liability of a hundred thousand to three hundred thousand dollars. A lot of these parks do, and that's before an umbrella policy on top of it. So you have this exposure to cover, you've got to have it to stay in business, or you're going out of business with little claims. And now it just doubled, tripled, quadrupled. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna price this? You weren't prepared. You didn't take your prices up. You didn't put stuff back into your businesses. Then you took it off the table. You probably went and bought a bigger house. You went and bought some more cars. You went and bought some more toys instead of putting it back in the business or leaving something there for it. We're here now. We're getting a little more profitable and we can put it back into the business. We can do more things. You know, we're looking at new things, new attractions, new exciting things, but we couldn't have gotten to that point if we didn't have the fourth thought of getting out of it. So we went back to day one and said pricing's a change. We need to get people paying more. You know, at just every dollar more that we can take in, it's a better, higher check average can go back into profitability. Of course, you got to control costs, you got to do all those things. But that was one thing. We did the same thing in food and beverage. I mean, we can say price, but we also looked at making combos. You know, you have a set of a burger, you put a couple sides to it, and you got a higher check average that someone's going to pay for. Well, now they're paying more for it. Seems value to them. It's good to you because you got a higher dollar amount coming in. And as long as you control your cost of goods sold, you can keep more of that dollar flowing through. And that just makes that much more profitable. So those are just some small things that we did, but yes. So, well, they are not small things, Tim. (laughs) They are not small things, but here's the thing. I I love the way you delivered that. And here's why. So your value, your company culture was validated and your value proposition elevated by the fact that you guys went in and raised prices dramatically and continue to increase revenue. And it actually worked in a model where uh, the previous owners thought it would never work or even naysayers or whatever. And the reason for it is because you start with culture. You go in, you get everybody to buy in. Everyone's excited. Everyone's fired up. So when someone has to pay $14.99 for mini golf versus $7.99 or whatever, and they see someone smiling and they're cleaning and there's a good attitude and the boss is running around with the white shirt instead of the blue shirt. And they know he's the boss, right? Or she's the boss or whatever. It all starts to make sense to that consumer and they're willing to pay because the value has exceeded the price that you're charging. So they're willing to pay it, but most people can't see that. And they're so fearful of losing consumers or lowering the velocity on the amount of consumers coming through because the price are too high. But the bottom line is, as you said earlier with the premium product is as long as you're doing your job, you're delivering, you have the right culture, the right environment, the lights work, the cigarette butts are picked up, blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, People pay a premium. Right. I mean, isn't that a pet peeve? You walk into the front of a store and you see cigarette butts and gum. And I mean, that's always like (laughs) when I worked at a fun center when I was 18, that was always my boss's pet peeve. He's the owner. He's like, what, man, we got it. And it's like, I never understood it. And of course I did later in life, but it was like, (laughs) no, that is the first thing they see. And they judge everything, including your prices based on that facade. Right. Right. Absolutely. And frankly, you know, do you have a bunch of boxes sitting around that's employee stuff, something, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, cleaning supplies here, paint cans there. If anyone can see this stuff or the trash or maybe broken concrete, you just fix something, but you left the concrete there or plumbing parts broken. Why didn't you just pick it up? Uh Why didn't you throw that away? Put it behind this something I take from Disney, but Disney is you're going on stage. 
you know, Disney's about when you pass the line of the door, the wall, the whatever, the elevator, you're now going on stage. You're now with the guest and you're performing on stage. So it's the same thought process that you got to have with the guest. And if you can't see that, then why are you here? And I'll, I will say that multiple times. It's like, I don't want someone on the team that doesn't want to participate. Now, there's legalities of everything you can and can't do, right? At the end of the day, if you're not going to participate, all right, we'll go down that path. Unfortunately, we'll go down that path. But, you know, I want, I would rather have people participate. I'll make it a great job, a great experience for you. You don't always get these types of opportunities. Oh, I've been with some different companies. It's like, it's a type A personality. It's it, or the ego is so big. And that's all they want to share with everyone is their ego and how great they are. Look, we've done some good things. I've done some good things. Absolutely. And I'm happy about that. But at the end of the day, the whole team has got to buy into that and understand that if they do, the world is going to be quite interesting for them. There's going to be new opportunities, new places. At the end of this year, I want to franchise this business. We've, we've figured out, I think, the pluses and the minuses to this. And I think we can go in almost any market because we went to eight different markets. Yes, two are water parks and six are family entertainment centers and there are different states, but we can go anywhere with this. And it, there's some similarities to this, which goes back to my franchising days. You know, it's, there's a lot of similarities, you know, some good intellectual property here that we have. And I don't think anyone's really identified that. But that's the idea of the owner saying, well, how do I take it to that next step? And you're not going to get to that point unless you've got the right team following along with what those things are and getting the price even though that to me is trite. And a lot of my team members will go, well, I can't afford that. But I didn't say you had to afford it. If you were working at Disney, can you say you can afford going to Disney every day? No, I couldn't either. And Disney doesn't want that either. You know, they want someone that's going to drop a bunch of money, stay in their hotels, get an average person, probably $300 a head, you know, for the average per person. And they're really happy about that. You know, if it's not more than that, they're going on the cruise ships or whatever it might be. But that's what the difference is. You're not going to do this every day. So you, are, you, are you basically saying to me as a team member that, well, any place I go, that's not good enough. And I want them to drop the price to $29.99 a day. Well, that's great. Do you know what the cost? And it's so funny because I think teaching the team financial information is key. A lot of them don't understand the profitability. Of the financial, I don't think most of the folks even seen the financial statements in the business I've been in. I've taught that in a lot of restaurants. I've taught them how to, this is how you make bonus. Let me show you how to make bonus. You do these things, this is how you make bonus. And when they really understand that principle, they go, oh, well, that's how you do it. Like, yeah. And did you realize it's not that much money going to the bottom line in a restaurant? Really isn't. Doesn't, not that, you know, in a a fast food restaurant, you're like throwing off 5%. In a really good location, maybe 10. And that's what has to go cover the debt. Corporate GNA. How are you going to do this? Well, I got to be very tight on margin. Yeah, you do. You have to be really tight on costs. And that's when the wake up call comes is that financial information when they truly understand. But it's funny because that's the reason why I'm going to go out to the field because I'm like, all right, this is what I did in the past. I'll go do it again and teach them because it's not that hard to teach the concepts of accounting and understanding what a PL means. Most people don't know it. And they think, you guys are taking in all this money. You're right. This park has taken in $8 million. This park's taken in $12 million. This park's taken in $5 million. Fantastic. Do you know how much goes to the bottom line? Do you know how much debt needs to be paid on this? Do you know what it takes to cover all these expenses? You don't. Because they think, oh, I just saw that come in. I took that money. And it's like, yeah, that's not freebie. You know, we well, everyone's rich. Yeah. Everyone's you rich. You, you know, <laughs> yeah. me, you gotta pay, you know. but there's a lack of financial education that's out there, unfortunately, 
in a lot of these types of businesses. And I think it's very beneficial to teach them because if you oh, teach man. them, now they're going to understand it. That That is so important. And I'm so glad you brought that up and we'll probably end around here. Uh, what what <laughs> I, on for hours. Oh, oh man, we could talk shop all day, Tim. I love this stuff. Something you said that I've never heard anyone actually talk about, but I believe in this is the financial literacy piece and getting everyone to buy into the, I think you called it the performer or the business plan critically important. And I love the way you framed it. You say, I go out in the field and I show them and I explain to them because you're right. Most of these folks may never be entrepreneurs. They may never own a business. They may never understand. Right. And if you can explain to them how business works and that there are very thin profit margins, right. And when there are mistakes made or there's shrinkage or there's spillage or there's whatever, it can make or break a business. And right. And so when you have that, you can oftentimes get a buy-in from at least the majority of your people. And it builds trust with them because they feel like you're putting them in the know. They feel like they're part of the process. I love the way you framed it because I've had similar conversations with property management companies because I'm an entrepreneur. I own several different companies. And one of them is an acquisition company. We buy these larger assets, right? And and you hire a property management company, you pay them to go and execute your plan to a certain extent. But oftentimes you don't realize that, and especially initially when you're starting out, that they are not sharing all the nuts and bolts. They hire someone to go and collect rents and put a tenant in there. They don't know you need to test market rents. They don't know you need additional income generated through different means, right? They right. don't know about all these different things that help generate revenue and profitability um, that can make it a better environment for the tenants in general. They're the, just there to manage and oftentimes do the bad stuff, which is just collections, which nobody likes, right? The tenants don't like it. The owners don't like it. Nobody. Yep. So I think it's so important. And we also do something similar with the very ground level maintenance guys and property management level people is we get them to buy in as well. We'll share with them the P&Ls and we say, look, here's where we need to be in year three. How are we all going to get there together? And we bonus them at the ground level. Sometimes the bonus levels are too high and out of reach. And so there's no incentive for them. And I think yeah. you mentioned it earlier. It's like, you got to take care of these people. So, I mean, that was just, that was great. And that was just one heck of a way to end. And I, I just love your enthusiasm, Tim. You're amazing. You're doing great things. How can our audience members find you? If someone wants to learn more about you, where could they go? Well, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook, but LinkedIn is obviously to me one of the best. I actually have two LinkedIn accounts. I kind of maximized one on LinkedIn <laughs> and now I'm on my second one for entertainment and restaurants. But you're welcome to connect with me, awesome. Tim Murphy, MBA or Tim Murphy, CEO. So uh, cool. that's the best place. Reach out, connect. I usually take most people. So That's great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. And again, guys, this is Chris Roberts. Please smash that subscribe and leave us a review if you enjoyed the interview and share with your friends so you can share all this amazing knowledge that Tim shared with us. Tune in next time. Thanks a lot. If you're ready to start creating your fortune today, head over to createyourfortunepodcast.com forward slash income. When you get to the page, there are two options. Option one is for you if you're not sure exactly how the investment process works or how to get ready to be an investor. We've created a short, fast class you can sign up for that will walk you through the steps and answer questions like, what does a good investment look like? And so much more. It even includes an audio version so you can quickly learn on the go as you golf, go to your day job, or work out. Just think, in a couple of days, you can start listening and learning about creating your fortune and not be stuck wondering, do I even have enough to retire? And then option two is for you if you're a sophisticated or accredited investor and have money to invest, you just need to talk to us about our next investment opportunity. 
you can quickly schedule a call with us and we can walk you through your options on how to get dividends flowing right away. We can help you create a plan to have three to 10,000 or even more in passive income every month that's reliable, safe, and steady. Ditch the small returns and unpredictable growth. Head over to createyourfortunepodcast.com forward slash income. And let's build the life of your dreams today.